Thanks so much for joining us today on Leesburg Community Church's podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, including directions and service times, please visit leesburgcc.org. On our website, you can also find notes and daily devotionals based on this teaching. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you liked today's message. Well, this morning we get going, and uh, we are in the first chapter of Ephesians as we get going in our, uh, our pursuit of making our way through the whole book of Ephesians in the next uh, several weeks. It's going to take us a good, uh, good amount of time, but we're just going to start. We looked at it last week as we introduced the book and talked about Paul and what his situation was in writing it, his intention that, yes, it would go to the church of Ephesus. We, we believe that, but it was meant to go to all churches in that uh, Asia Minor area. And that it was meant to circulate. And he had in mind all those churches as he wrote the letter. And, and we looked and we said, is there a common theme? Is there a purpose for his writing? And it was clear from the beginning that we are united in Christ. That all we have in this life, all that we are, our identity, our worth, everything is in Christ. We said that that phrase, in Christ, was used over 32 times in this letter, that who we are and what we do and what our lives are to be about is wrapped up in Christ. That's our motivation. That's the call of our lives. That's what will lead us and what will guide us. And we said that in Christ we have new life. And that the first two, really chapter and a half, the first two chapters, really speak to that new life. What is this new life that is stirred up in us? What is this new life that we worship and praise God for? What is this new life in Christ? How do we get there? What's it all about? What are we called from and what are we called to? And so Paul starts off, and I'm going to read. And if you would like to join me, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. It'll be up on the screens. And uh, you have it. Uh, it's not laid out as a whole in your bulletin, although it's in parts. But it will be up on the screens. And if you'd like to open the Bible again, it's Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing, in Christ, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise and glorious grace which he has freely given to us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. To put into effect when times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with his purpose and will. In order that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, 
the gospel of your salvation, when you believed and were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. And now, Father, open our hearts to what it is Paul is communicating. Open our hearts to your intention and challenge us. Challenge us, Lord, in how we worship you and praise you and live out our lives. In your precious name we pray. Amen. That passage, verses 3 through 14, and the original language is without punctuation. It is one constant sentence that just continues. And the scholars have looked at it. They, it is really, we, as we translate it into our own language, put in different punctuation, but it's not there. The best that has been explained is Paul was really excited. Paul just had something on his heart that he had to get out. And in the process of getting out, he just went. And as he went forward, he kept grabbing other truths, and he kept grabbing other ideas, and he kept putting them together. And there he goes, and he is unpacking, he's unpacking. Have you ever done that? Have you ever been so excited about something? You're just like, whoa, you got to hear the story. Yeah, I have. You hear it every Sunday. And sometimes my sentences just go, and I get really excited because we're talking about the things of God. And that's exactly what's happening here. And notice where Paul starts. He starts with, praise be to God our Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. He starts with, praise the Lord. He starts with calling our attention to the greatest thing we do, the greatest response we have to praise God. And he's going to unpack in these next 13 or 11 verses that we have as verses, right? He's going to unpack why it is we should praise God. Paul immediately calls attention to who should get our praise. We should praise and honor God the Father in Jesus Christ. We should pour out our hearts and praise to him. We should celebrate who he is and what he's done. We should remember the state of our lives before being in Christ. We should remember the amazing sacrifice of Christ. And we should remember the state of our lives now that we are in Christ. I want to call your attention to a different part of the Bible. In the book of Revelation, in chapter 2, there begins to be a discourse of seven different churches that really represents the church as a whole. And there begins to be both uh, commendation, if you will, uh, um, uh, uh, a praise for the churches, and then a condemnation to different churches. And Ephesus is quick on that list. And they were commended for the way they served the Lord. They were commended for their hard work. They were commended for their orthodoxy, for protecting the gospel, for shutting the mouths of heretics. They were commended. <laughs> but then the church of Ephesus was condemned. Because John said they lost their first love. John would know. I understand it was a message from Christ, but that one would have been personal to him. For at one time, he was the pastor of that church. And that they lost their first love. They were an obedient church. They were a giving church. They were a generous church. 
And they were a church that knew the word of God and protected the word of God. But they did it out of obedience, which is great. They did it out of duty, which sometimes that's where we go. They did it because they had to or because it was the right thing. But they didn't do it out of the overflow of their love for God. They didn't do it because of how much love and grace God had lavished upon them. They didn't do it because they remembered their place before God when they were not in Christ. They didn't do it because they remembered who they are in Christ and the great and amazing mercies that have been shown to them. They lost their first love. It's sort of the honeymoon effect. You've had that, right? You went on your honeymoon, and everything was good. In fact, it was great. We're infatuated with one another. Oh, we can't wait to spoil one another. We want to shower our, our, our words upon one another, our emotion upon one another. We want to even shower our physical affection on one another. And then the daily grind kicks in somewhere. And we just get used to one another. We, we love one another. We care for one another. And we start to just do because we're supposed to do. We start to just care because we're supposed to care. Because it has become our daily routine to have a partner. It's become our daily routine to have somebody that we're caring about. And pretty soon, 20 or more years down the road, we look over and go, we're doing the right things. We're being the right people. We're caring about one another. Where's that? Is it coming out of a, a passion? Is it coming out of a love? Is it coming out of a devotion? Is it coming out of this deep concern? Is it coming because my life would be so much less without you? Or as we look to Christ, that my life would be meaningless without you? As we look to Christ, that I would be left hopeless without you? If we look to Christ, that I would be left without the knowledge I need for this day and the next day without you. The great love, our first love. Paul will talk about the love of Christ and our love back to him over and over again in this letter. This was before John wrote his letter. This was before the church of Ephesus was, Ephesus was condemned. This was before those times. And he's warning them, get back to that first love. He's sharing with them, may the praise of Christ be ever on your lips. But the praise of Christ will not be on our lips if we don't pull back and reflect on why the praise of Christ should be on our lips. The worship of Christ will not be on our lips unless we pull back and remember why the worship should be on our lips and coming from our hearts, and the devotion of our life. And so here's what he says at the end of verse 3. He says, Praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. We have been blessed, we have been given, equipped, provided with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. You have not just been granted access, as in 
hey, here is a closet, and if you need some blessings, show up once in a while, grab the ones you need, and get back to living. He has not said, here's a tool chest for when you need the right tools. That is not what has taken place at all. You have not been granted access. You have been given. You have had bestowed upon you every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. All that you need to live in full devotion to God. All that you need to be his special chosen people. All that you need to have purpose and worth in this life. All that you need to make decisions and choices have been bestowed upon you, have been given to you. You have been equipped. Now you're going to spend the rest of your life learning how to use those, no doubt. But you have been equipped with all that is needed. We have five interns running around here this summer. Next week you're going to be introduced to them. We're going to pray for one who was here uh, uh, throughout the nine months as his time has ended. And then we're going to Uh, commission the other five for the summer and what they have in store for them. One of the things I told them this past week was this. You will lead in this church. We are going to give you responsibility. We are going to give you ministry. We are going to turn things over for you to lead. And we expect you to do it boldly. And we expect you to do it in the strength and the power and the understanding and the wisdom that comes in Christ. We absolutely expect that. But you are shielded. We want you to jump far. We want you to run a wild race this summer. And we want you to lead with great passion. And do not fear failure. For you are shielded. Every one of our interns has a pastor or a director who is overseeing them, walking with them. We want them to learn philosophy of ministry. We want them to learn what it means to lead. We want them to learn what it means to pour into people's lives. We want them to learn whatever they can possibly learn about ministry this summer. But we want them to take outrageous, bold chances for Jesus. And every one of them has a pastor or director that is going to walk alongside of them. And what I told them is that you cannot fail. Do not fear it because you cannot. We will pick up the pieces. We will stop you short. We will correct as it starts to fail. We will be there and be your safety net. If that's what we can promise as a human, as an individual, what does God promise us with the spiritual blessings for what he has entrusted us with? The relationships we have, the opportunities we have, the moments we have. He says, listen, follow me. I've given you all you need, and I will never leave you nor forsake you. I am always working out the details for your good and my glory. I'm working behind the scenes, even if you can't see me. With our interns, they'll be doing something, and their pastors or directors will be following behind them, arranging and orchestrating so that it succeeds, and it is the best that it can possibly be for this church and the kingdom of God. That is what our Father does for us. He works Behind the scenes, in front of the scenes, he does whatever is needed to be done for what? For our good and for his glory. Is that not an amazing reason to praise God? Do you remember the doxology? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. 
Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above, ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Do you remember that? We sing it. Let me go back to verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Should that not be the first words off our lips when we realize what we live with day in and day out? Should our lives not, should they not be about the praise and the worship and the adoration of God instead of focusing on the hard things, the difficult things, the things that trip us up, the things that hurt, but instead we live in praise. Instead of just reading those words this morning, how about if we declare those words? Let's declare them this morning. declaration of our life in Christ is to praise God for whom all blessings flow. That's a different way of living. That's a way of living that brings hope. That's a way of living that brings peace. That's a way of living that allows us to look at the next day. The CDC just came out with a report that was staggering. The last 20 years, rate of suicide in our country has increased by 30%. And one of the portions of the population that it is the highest is middle-aged white men. When they looked at it and began doing their investigations and the different research that's happened over the last 20 years, it's true, mental health plays an issue, no doubt. But what they found is that Middle-aged men, men at an alarming rate, rate, an alarming rate in America are hopeless, are lonely, and without purpose. They've depended on their jobs, their careers, their bank accounts, and their activities to give them worth. And it's falling short. And it will fall short for each and every one of us. There's no doubt about it. For the worth of a person must be wrapped up in something greater than themselves. It must be wrapped up in their creator who created them. It must be wrapped up in Christ who gives them life. It must be wrapped up, and as the psalmist declares in Psalms 34 through 5, Sing the praises of the Lord for his faithful people. Praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. For the person who is in Christ, there is always joy that can come in the morning. There is always joy that we look for in the worst, most difficult circumstances. 
We are never again separated from Christ. We have been brought into a relationship with him. And for that, we praise him. We have been given every spiritual blessing, all of the truth about who we are that takes to live this life. And to live it, what Jesus said, is abundantly. When we find ourselves living impoverished spiritual lives, we are not living the life that God intended us to live. He said, I have come that you would have life in abundance. It's a spiritual abundance. It's an abundance of the knowledge of who he says you are. It's an abundant knowledge of what he says about you. It's an abundant knowledge of how much he loves you. It's an abundant knowledge that he lavishes his grace and his mercy upon you. It is an abundant knowledge that you are purposed to be here every day with a purpose to fulfill in him. Every day. But instead, we live in spiritual poverty. We have this amazing blessing, a a life of blessing that's been bestowed upon us. But we live out of what we can see. We live live out of simply what we know and can accomplish ourselves. We live out of the small framework of our box of what we can identify. Instead of allowing Christ to define our lives. Instead of allowing his view of life to become our view of life. There was a woman in Israel who wanted to bless her mother who was living a very meager existence. Every time she would go over to her mother's house, she would see this bed that was just ratty and it was you know, had all sorts of bumps and lumps all over it. And she just wanted to bless her mom. Her mom had given so much, sacrificed so much, and lived such a meager life. So she went in one day while her mom was out, and she got rid of the mattress and put a new mattress in there and got it all done up. And and her mom came home, and she's like, Mom, look what I got you. You're going to be able to sleep well tonight. And she looked into her mother's horror. She said, where is my mattress? What do you mean? I don't know. The dump. Got rid of it. They took it away. She said, Oh, my child. There was over a million dollars in that mattress. I've been tucking it away all these years. That's why I never got rid of it. Mom, you've been you, you, you've been living like this? But you've been sleeping? On a million dollars? You get the picture? Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has been bestowed upon us. But we live within the strength and knowledge of ourselves. What we feel on a daily basis. Instead of what God has given us. Which is worth more than all the wealth and all the understanding of this earth. So Paul wants to make sure we understand what the blessed life is. So he begins to unpack it. He doesn't just say you have spiritual blessing. He begins to unpack what those spiritual blessings are. He just doesn't say you should praise God. He's going to remind us why we would praise God. And he starts with the fact that we were chosen. And he says this in Ephesians 4, the very beginning part of verse 4. He says, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. He also said in Colossians 1, 21 through 22, once you were alienated before God, you were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you to Christ's physical body through 
physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Paul unpacks this amazing paradox that we see in Scripture. That we are chosen and yet we choose. That we are chosen and yet we choose. And it's this paradox that runs all throughout. There's always a people that God chooses. And he chose them before the foundations of the earth. And we then also choose to follow him. There is a sovereign God that before all creation had you in mind. There is a providential God that before all creation had you, specifically you, in mind as he created you and created the existence of the world. And he knew your steps. He knew what they would be. He knew how they would unfold and how they would unpack. He is the sovereign God that directs all things. And he declared that you would be his. You are uniquely chosen by God to be his. You are not an accident. You are not just a, 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 a random uh, act. You are not just the result of a night of passion between your mother and father. You are a purposed, chosen, created individual that was chosen to be under the authority of Jesus Christ and in his kingdom. Paul is saying that you are in Christ. Praise him. For you were his thought before the creation of the world. You were on his mind before the creation. So what purpose have you been chosen? That's great, I've been chosen. But for what purpose? That you would be holy and blameless in his sight. You were chosen to be the benefactor of all that Christ did. You were chosen to be able to stand before the living God holy and blameless. But you were also chosen to live out a holy and blameless life so that others would be drawn to the same exact God that you were drawn to, so that others would see, receive the same exact heavenly blessings that you have received, so that others would have the same exact security and worth of the knowledge that they were chosen. As the world watches us, they learn to live holy and blameless lives. They are seeing the Lord's handiwork in his life. They're seeing his love and his grace and his mercy. They're seeing his power. They are seeing that this life has purpose outside of my accomplishments, outside of my occupation, outside of my bank account, outside of my material possessions. That this life has purpose because God created us and chose us to have purpose. You never have to get to the end of your day, one of those dark days, and say, where is my purpose? Why am I here? The Lord chose you specifically to be with him. We were adopted. Said in love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. In accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace. Which he has freely given to the one he loves. So whose grace is it to give? It was Jesus Christ's grace to give. What does it mean it was his to give? It meant that he gave it freely. That you came into this place of adoption, not because of what you did, but because of the grace God bestowed upon you. Think about this for a minute. Why is this passage so absolutely amazing that we were adopted? It's so amazing that we were adopted because you did nothing for it. You see, you couldn't have been good enough to earn God's favor. You couldn't have been good enough to work your way into God's family. 
You couldn't have done enough right things to receive a place at God's table. He adopted you and brought you into his family. And he said, I will do all the work on your behalf. Look, it wasn't like a draft, and I think sometimes we view it that way. That here was the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit sitting there with their clipboards. And it was before creation, and they had the imagery of all that would be created. And they're going, ah, wow, you really made that one special. I think I want one of those. And, you know, the Holy Spirit looks over at the Son and goes, ah, I think you, you screws loose on that one, don't you think? I don't think we want that one on our team. It wasn't anything like that at all. It wasn't because what you could do for the kingdom. It wasn't because what you did do for the kingdom. It wasn't because you were better than somebody else. It wasn't because you knew more or knew less. It was because he, by his lavished love, by his intense love, wanted to adopt you as his child. And then here's the great thing. As a child, you don't have access to the inheritance. But he didn't adopt you as a child who doesn't have access to the inheritance. He adopted you as a full-grown son or daughter who has immediate access to the inheritance of the blessings of God. You do not have to wait till some other time. You don't wait till eternity. You don't wait. You get it right now as his sons and daughters. So what difference does all of this make at 6 o'clock in the morning? The alarm goes off. And all right, Tim, I'm supposed to live a life of praise. And I'm praising because he chose me. And it wasn't because of something I did. He adopted me, not because I was good enough to be adopted, but because he wanted me to be his son or daughter. And he gave us immediate access to the inheritance. What difference does it make? (laughs) You are perfect. You are valuable. You are worth the very death of Jesus Christ. You were not bought, which we're going to discover next week, by silver or gold, but instead by the blood of God himself. There is nothing accidental about your life, and there is nothing you are not equipped to make your way through. God has not left you without the means and the resource to get through every single trial in your life. He has not withheld part of your inheritance and said, when you achieve, when you become good enough, when you learn enough, when you've walked with me enough, when you get to be the 40-year saint in the church, I'll give you this. He has not done that. He has withheld nothing from you and lavished you with every spiritual blessing. Why? Because you are his son and daughter who he will never reject. What Paul is saying is remember who you are and live your life in praise and worship instead of spiritual destitution. Live your life remembering that God goes before you and that he has equipped you, not in spiritual desperation. Kevin and Katrina was their name. They were adopted from an orphanage in Russia. They were uh, two amazing young people in our church. They were adopted by the most amazing couple you could ever meet. They loved these kids so much. They had the means to adopt. They had the means to care. They were considered very wealthy. They took these, this boy and this girl, this, this brother and sister, and pulled them out of one of the most gut-wrenching situations you can imagine. 
In the late 90s and early 2000s, the orphanages in Russia were horrendous. I went there with a group of students, and we spent an entire day cleaning toilets because they had never been cleaned. But they were not just average everyday toilets. They were simply holes built up with poop all around them, and that is where they lived. They didn't have access to hot water, only cold water. Disease ran rampant. Heat would only be turned on if the director of the orphanage had enough favor with Moscow. The only physical touch they had was from some caregivers when they were younger, never when they were older, or the relationships they could make with other orphans. It was a desperate place with very little care, concern, and they had virtually no worth. And Kevin and Kat were adopted right out of that place. Our church kept going back year after year. Kevin and Kat had a hard time learning how to live in America, learning how to live with these incredible blessings that were poured upon them. Going from an orphanage to, to well, American wealth was this outrageous concept to them. But that was not the greatest blessing that they received. They received a family that was determined to walk alongside of them no matter what, no matter how many difficulties they had, no matter how many struggles they had, and they had them. They had a family who said, I am with you through and through. I will never leave you, and I will equip you. From the moment they stepped foot in America, they had counselors, and they had teachers, and they had resources that they could never have dreamed of having. And they began to build these young people up from the ground up. About five or six years after their adoption, I took a youth group back to their orphanage, and they came with us. And they showed back up to the place of their abuse. They showed back up to the place of their destitution. They showed back up to the place where they lacked worth or care or value. To the place where they got dropped off one day by a long distant relative. And on the way home, they just kept thanking their mom for the incredible blessing, not of the stuff, but for being their mom and never looking away and never abandoning them and finally giving them worth and value. And she said, you were always valuable. But the greatest thing I can give you is Jesus Christ because you are of infinite worth and value to him even when it appears that you are to no one else. Now that is a lesson for a lifetime. And they had reason to praise God. We are no different. Each one of us without Christ are orphans and lack purpose and will wonder day in and day out of our worth and our value. But in Christ, we know that we were chosen we were adopted, and it was because of God's great love that it took place. Live in the spiritual blessing and freedom, always in praise of the Father. You are an equipped church. You are the saints of Jesus Christ. Live free. Father, thank you for who you are. May we live boldly. May we live freely. As we continue to hear Paul's great explanation and call of who we are in you 
and the result it should be in our lives. We are not a desperate people. We are a blessed people. You never leave us alone nor forsake us. You never abandon us. And there is always the right word and the right step for today. So thank you, Father, for choosing us, adopting us, all because of your love. In your name we pray. Amen. Have an amazing week. May it be blessed. And may you know your worth. Have a great week.